Good afternoon. I'm Dr. C. Victor Herbin III, and I'm taking it to the house. No, I'm sorry. Let me hit that again. Let me hit that again. Let me hit that again. I forgot. It's our first show of the new year. All right, here we go. This episode of Taking It to the House was brought to you by EBH Fitness Studios. It's a way of life. Happy New Year, everyone. I'm Dr. C. Victor Herbin III, and I'm taking it to the house. I'm Dr. Timothy Hoover, and I'm taking it to the house. I am Dr. Jania Hoover, and I'm also taking it to the house. And I will actually be passing my opening burn today just with everything that is going on. I just, I'm passing mine to my uncle. Tim, what do you have? One, I want to say Happy New Year. I'll say it again. Happy New Year. With this new year, as a fan, you're a fan, we're all fans, I pray and hope that we'll be able to go in attendance to our favorite sports, whether it's tennis, football, baseball, basketball, whatever the sport may be, soccer even, praying for new leadership. So on the 20th of this particular month, we're going to get a new president. They're giving us better information, clearer information versus the misrepresentation of the information before that we'll be able to go in attendance and see our sports. So ask you to do your due diligence in this new year. Let's have hope this new year. Happy New Year. Everyone's getting so serious over here. Uh, I do know today is a surreal day in our country uh, from a political standpoint, but this is not CNN or Fox News or MSNBC, so I'm going to lighten it up a little bit and ask the question, in the words and the phrases of one of my favorite actors, Tom Hanks, there's no crying in baseball. But instead of baseball, there's no crying in football. Tell me, please, New York Giants, are you really proud of your coach, Joe Judge, for real, whining that he got knocked out the, the, the chance to be in the playoffs and he won six games? Really? How about before you start criticizing what my boy Doug Peterson did out there in Philadelphia. Yes, we'll get to that later. Why don't you make sure your boys can win more than six games in a season? We talked about the NFC least, and you just lucked out to even get that close to being second place. So please spare me your tears, how someone wronged you and forgot about the integrity of the game. Dude, go sit down somewhere. Next year, let's just try to get eight games. How about you go 500 before you start criticizing? criticizing people for not playing the game and you were one of the main culprits in the worst division of the freaking NFL, man, get out of here with that. So that's my open to burn. But hey, look, can you at least from a leadership perspective be a little more happy what you did for the season? Guess what? You didn't have Saquon Barkley and you still won six games. So instead of criticizing and whining that your sorry team didn't make it to the playoffs, at least you could say, hey, guys, we had a great season considering the adversities we faced with COVID, not having our star running back, and we still made it this far. So miss me with that, bruh. Look, there's no crying in football. Suit up and play. So I think it is extremely hilarious that we talked about tanking just last week. We had a whole conversation about it. I told y'all how there are so many people in Falcon social media fan world that were just advocating for the team to tank, tank, tank and lose all of the games and the names that they've wanted have differed lately. I think they've kind of rested on Justin Fields, especially after the game. But to actually witness a tank in real 
time. Has it happened before? Absolutely. Have we witnessed in real time? Sure. But the, the fact that we literally saw a player, um, the quarterback of a team taken out with the chance to actually win the game, I, <laughs> I was at a loss for words. Um, Victor, what was your take? I, I'm, I'm going to go out here on a limb. Actually, I had no issue of what happened because the game of football is larger than the X's and O's on the field. The NFL season is a lot longer than September to February. How about the year round? The Eagles already know they're not going to the playoffs. I'm about self-preservation. So if I'm playing for next season, I have a star uh, quarterback that's already in, in the works. I already know I may be trading Carson Wentz. I'm playing for next season. I'm playing for that draft. Why do I want a six, uh, a six, uh, the ninth pick as opposed to the sixth pick? So from that aspect, I don't have no problem with what they did. What I do have an issue is that Doug Peterson won't own it. If you're the coach, own it. Tell the team what's going on, what we're trying to do. Because you have players, if they would have known for 60 minutes that it was a facade, then I'm sure they would have attacked that game a lot differently. Because who else did you put at risk? Who else may have had an incentive to play and catch a certain amount, of, uh, make a certain amount of reception or a certain amount of tackles? But you took that away from them. So I have an issue with Doug Peterson from a leadership perspective, not owning it. Don't go out there and sell us and try to sell us some snake oil. No, dude, you know you was tanking. You know what the plan was. Just tell your team. Because look what happened on the sidelines if you really watched. All his players weren't on that. So now I look at the impact of the locker room. He had won a Super Bowl just a few years prior. Now you got players questioning his integrity, his trust. They have players being held back because they wanted to get at him. They had players really having arguments with him. So I have an issue with how he did it. At least tell the people, your team, this is the direction. If we're up in the last couple of minutes by this much, I'm going to make sure our, our third-string quarterback who hasn't played in four years gets an opportunity. But don't let the guys go out there playing 100% when the coach already knew going in that wasn't his plan. So I don't have an issue on playing the long season of the NFL, counting the offseason and what they're getting ready for these drafts. But I do have an issue that he won't own it. And as a leader, he wasn't transparent with his team, so they all could have been on the same page. I uh... – we talked about it last week about tanking. I'm not a fan of tanking, but I know it, it happens. It's prevalent. NBA, NFL in particular. I, I get it. Here's the, a couple of problems that I identify with tanking. People are going to lose their jobs because of wins and losses or the, because of losses in particular. Oh, you got to go. You got to relocate. You got to relocate your family. You got to move from Miami. Now you got to go to Buffalo. How's that going to work out in your household? Or you got to move somewhere and just uproot your family because of a loss. If you did want to tank it, I agree with you, Vic, 100%. Communicate that with your team so that everybody's on the same sheet of music, same page, and we understand what's going, happen, going to happen before the game or even during the game because things do happen. But based on what I'm hearing, what I'm seeing, there's a disconnect. So, Coach, if you lose the locker room, you're going to be gone. You will be one of those gone. Ask Adam Gase, Adam Gase, previous coach of the uh, New York Jets. And they said they were tanking. Well, they won a couple of games, but he's not around next year to see who they were going to draft or pick. So 
it doesn't work out for them. We can talk about the uh, the Jaguars now. Jacksonville Jaguars, they got the number one pick. Do you guys know just a few years Yeah, just a few short years ago, they had the number one defense. They were bad, and I believe it was Blake Bortles who was the quarterback for them, but they were a bad team. Nobody really wanted to face them. And then they started selling their players. So if you're going to do this tanking thing, are you going to buy in all the way owners, coaches, as your regime changes, as your players change? What do we know? You got to play, you got to play and pay the players to play. You need an outstanding quarterback. You need a a, a, a tackle, blindside tackle. You need a, a rushing end. You need a shutdown corner. You need those things to be successful. And then you need to be able to sustain that consistent level of excellence. How come no one can follow the, if you will, the San Antonio Spurs model or the New England uh, Patriots model? And I don't hear of them tanking at all, but they do. They do. And it has happened. So it doesn't necessarily work. Speaking of that, everybody was tanking for Trevor. Tanking for Trevor. What has Trevor done in the last couple of years? And I'm talking about in the biggest games. I'm sorry. What has he done? Is he really, truly the number one pick? I think you need to do your due diligence. You need to do your research and find out what your needs are. And it may not be quarterback. It may be something else. So tanking, not a fan. Let's move on to something else. Uh, you guys, stop hold it. Up. Stop it. And hold up. Go ahead. Hold up. Hold up. Hold up. Hold up. Hold up. I, I'm sorry. Uh, I love you, baby. I love you. But are you telling me Go ahead. tanking is, is is you can't do tanking at all? I mean, just look at what different sport, but you did talk about San Antonio's first. Look at what Philadelphia did, the 76ers. They had, a, they had it called trust the process. Trust the process. Now, it was known every season they're going to be tanking. But, again, does that make it more justified because they told the fans, they told the players, everyone was all in. Trust the process. From off of that tanking uh, protocol or, or, or program they had set, they even nicknamed yes. Joel Embiid the process. So are we saying tanking is totally bad or only in certain situations? Because in that situation, they became a playoff team. They had numerous draft picks. Now they're still trying to reload, but trust the process became a tanking slogan. So, I mean, what, what where, where are you at on that one? I'm saying that I don't, I'm not a fan of it. I, I understand the tanking to increase your draft status, maybe getting that, uh, that franchise guy, whether it's basketball, I get it. I'm just not a fan of it. I don't think it's proven. I don't think it works because there's no consistency. One with the coach. Ownership, are they going to, pay, going to pay the players, you know? So you talk about Joel Embiid and you talk about Ben Simmons and what have they done And since they've been drafted. Matter of fact, even before them was uh, Mr. Fultz. He was a number one pick. He's no longer with that team. So transitioning their coach from when they're tank, he's not even around any longer. So continued success. Doc Rivers now is the coach for them. Uh, where can we say that it worked? I want you, Vic, to show me where it has worked and it's paid off for them, whether it's the NBA or the NFL. Where has somebody so, who has tanked and won championship with the tanking? Yeah. Yeah. But what defines work? If you're a seller dweller like Philadelphia 76ers for years, but now they're a perennial playoff team. Yes, they have not won a championship, but they went from one of the worst teams in the East to now one of the best teams. I agree with you. If you're going to tank, when you start going to a draft, yes, now it's a matter of, who are you, who's in your scouting department? How are they going to identify the right talent to make sure you that tanking year or years 
pay off. But again, a team has to define what is success. If I'm going to say I'm going to tank because I want to get four or five uh, draft picks in this next season, then it, 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 does that what defines success? Because at least they put their team in a position to get more picks. Or is it uh, my success means we got to go to the playoffs the next five years or we got to go to Super Bowl? I think it defines what defines success. But if the team and the organization is in communication, then maybe it can work. But don't don't deceive the fans. Don't deceive people who are going to pay the money, people who are betting on the game. Because now I'm thinking I'm going to get a quality product that's going to be fair. I'm sure people who bet bet on that game for Philly in in Vegas were a little upset when they're saying, what's going on here? I mean, that's a mark. I mean, a point spread could be between one point and two, two touchdowns. So now here it is, someone's out a lot of money because the coach legitimately went out there and knew we're not in this thing to win. And so, hey, I'd rather you came out there with your uh, your second string or third string players all around like it's a preseason game. But don't go out there first three and a half quarters playing a game like you really want to win and then pull it back. But again, I think if you're going to go into tanking, what defines success? I would say in the Philadelphia 76ers, they could say they're successful. They're not the one of the worst teams in the league. They're in the top four, top five, known to get to the playoffs. Now, what they're doing in the playoffs, it's on that. But, you know, I I, I just don't want to be the seed. It's already I'm spoiled. I'm spoiled. Defining success. If you don't win the championship, it's not a successful year. So if you just want to be relevant, you just want to make money, owner. If you just want to be able to say that you're in the newspaper because you're winning 50 to 60 games, great. That could be success. Not here, partner. I want a championship. That's success for me. Anything else is less than desirable. That along with that, defining success in that way is that benefits basically what you were saying, Victor, it kind of benefits the ownership. I'm more of a player type of person. So I want to see, um, you know, if there are ways that the players are actually going to be the ones that are benefiting, then, you know, I could possibly go along with it. But when you're talking about those long range, we're getting these picks. If you're talking about basketball, are those picks that you, uh, are those players that you picked up, um, are they going to be the ones that are replacing the players that you asked to tank or that you took out so that they could not, um, so that you would not win? So I think that's that's my thing more than anything. I understand it from an ownership standpoint. And I also don't like a lot of the, the uh, corporate structures and organizational aspects of the ownership of these leagues because they are anti-player in a lot of instances. And that's my issue with, with tanking. If I'm a player, then every single game is an interview, right? If if it's for my current contract and I, I want to renegotiate, I want you know more stickers on my on my helmet, um, or I want to show show off to other coaches in in the division or in the league, then I need opportunities to play and I need opportunities to do the best that I possibly can. So when people that aren't playing are making decisions that de-incentivize players from doing their best and then being able to profit handsomely from showing off what they can do to benefit the people upstairs or in the or in the team office, I have a problem with that. But I, I like that. I agree with that. I agree with that. 
I mean, like you're saying, because at the end of the day, I still got to feed my kids. So if you take me out of opportunity to get that incentive or, you know, or, or showcase my talent because this is my last season under contract and I know I'm going to be a free agent, you just you just screwed me. And, and again, it's unfair. That's unfair because if I'm a player that's supposed to play 16 games, I got to play hard every game. I can't take a play. I can't take a game. So there's already an, an inequity in the system where you tell me management can identify at week 12 of the season, you know what, we're not a playoff team. We're starting to make a management decision that we're not going to the playoffs. Guess what? You didn't tell the players. So now does that mean all the coaches are calling plays? It's not going to put us in the best position to win. But that means I'm not going to be in the best position to make that, that star tackle, that star blitz. That 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 uh that touchdown. I need to get twenty touchdowns. I only got eighteen touchdowns, so now I don't get the incentive. Now I don't have quality stuff on. You know, now I don't have quality plays on tape. So I agree with you on that one. That's why, if from a management perspective, just be honest and transparent. You know, let me know as a player, so I know I need to work some other ways to make sure my agent puts me in the best position to shine in the off seasons. So I, I totally agree with you on that part. What about the teams that actually are in the playoffs and will be playing this weekend on Saturday and Sunday? How are we feeling about um, Super Bowl prospects, the teams that got in, who are who are the contenders, who are the pretenders? I'm just happy that we're here. You know, these games count. It's it's win or go home. I, that's what I'm really happy about. NFL, you got to this point and it wasn't pretty. I would give you a, probably a B for overall season because of your COVID related issues. Uh, and sometimes you didn't put the best product out there, but I'm still a fan. I'm still a fan and I'm gonna watch. Uh, the, the Super Bowl pick, I don't know who that is going to be, but I'm just glad that the playoffs are here. The team and game, two games that I'm really interested in is the Browns and the Steelers game. One reason is that the, the Browns coach will not be in attendance as far as I know. And so he has come down with COVID and so as of right now, he won't be able to attend the game. So they're working on how is he going to be able to communicate to his team on the field? And they're looking at the rules and seeing if they make some amendments for him to be able to communicate on the field. So that's going to be a big thing. What are their chances if he does is not on the field? Because there's going to be in-game adjustments or in-game decisions that's going to have to be made. And he is really solely responsible for that. Or do you give that and pass that on to somebody else? He may not have a choice. And so... That's going to be interesting by itself. Without him, I think the Browns will lose. I think the Steelers will win that game, but I'm only interested in to see how they can overcome that little bit of adversity. And the other game that I'm interested in is the uh, Baltimore Ravens and the Tennessee Titans. To me, back in the day, that had been a bloodbath. It just had been a defensive war. But with Derrick Henry on the offense, and, and then you got Lamar Jackson on, on, on the other offense, I just expect to see a lot of points scored, really. And so those two games in particular, I can't call the other ones. I'm, I'm going to be watching them, but those two games that I just mentioned are the ones that I'm most interested in. This is going to be an exciting weekend, and unfortunately, most of the exciting games are going to be in the AFC, so that's what I will focus on. Uh, Super Bowl prediction right now, definitely Kansas City Chiefs. And I'm looking at Green Bay Packers. That's what I'm looking at. Uh, Aaron Rodgers is playing lights out. They're looking at him as a possible MVP candidate. I think that'd be a great game. But to your point, um, yes, Browns are still very interesting, not just because of what's going to happen on the X's and O's on the field, but because the Browns have got the bug. Yes, they hit up against Rona. The same thing that knocked out my Ravens a couple weeks ago. The Browns now have the 
highest number of players on the list. So it's the, the coaches. They got four coaches and the two players. So in the words of the most famous, you know, TV dog, rot wrong. Look, the Browns are in trouble. Last <laughs> week they barely beat the Steelers. They barely beat the Steelers. The Steelers, I don't know what happened last week. They woke up a little too late. And they finally said, you know, it's time to play. They are only a two-point conversion away from winning, at least tying that game. So they were in position. This week, the Browns with a decimated team, oh, oh it's going to be rough. Because what I've read as far as how the coach can engage with the team, he can't engage with the team anything past kickoff. And it has to be telephonic in the locker room. So up to that point, kickoff, he's he's uh, he's quiet, you know, or quiet on the set. So that'll be interesting how that works. But I'm picking the Steelers on that. I think they have a revenge game in them from last week because they shouldn't even let them in. So that'll be very interesting. And from an AFC North perspective, oh, I, I love it. That's just great just to watch that. I'm with you, the Ravens and Titans. Ravens are 0-2 the last two times to play the Titans. And last year the Titans came as an underdog to Baltimore and ran rough shot over them. And what did the Ravens do? I, th- I talked about it earlier. NFL is a 12-month season. They upgraded the defensive line. They got Calais Campbell. And they picked up Nguakwe. Look, those boys are ready for this weekend. They're ready for it. This is what they were planning to do. And they've been in playoff mode for the last four weeks because every game has been a must-win game for Lamar and team. And they've been showing out. So I expect to be a great game, a bloodbath. Derrick Henry's going to get his, but I still pick the Ravens to come out on top. They're going to get in this revenge game because they've been in playoff mode for a few weeks now, and the Titans haven't. The Titans have not really been on the P's and Q's. So I'm looking forward to that one. And then the bonus game, of course, the Bills and Colts. NFC games, the best game over there, the Seahawks and the Rams, that's probably the best game to watch because then you had the Washington football team versus Tampa Bay, and you got the Saints versus the Bears. I mean, it's just unfortunate that the NFC as a whole, there's not too many – powerhouse teams so i think it's gonna be great that the least i can watch football all weekend long like it is a regular season like pre-covid and i think it should be exciting football but afc games are the ones to watch this weekend so i think i'm going to go for my super bowl pick i'm gonna go with the bills because i just really like what they've um what they've been doing so far and I think that matching them up with the Chiefs, I'm going to give the defensive edge to the Bills in terms of being able to make the plays. And the Chiefs defense doesn't look the same. Offensively, I do think that the Chiefs are stronger, but I think that the Bills will be able to stop them. And then in the NFC, I'm with you, Vic. I'm I'm not super enthralled with either of the teams. And I hate the team that I'm about to actually try to slide in, but I'm 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 leaning Seahawks or Saints, and I think my edge is going to be to the Saints. So I wanted to go ahead and put it on tape. So I'm saying uh, Buffalo and the Saints. Um, if we're having this conversation next week and the Saints are not no longer in the playoffs, I will not be upset at all. I love when they lose. So. I love a bold statement like that because you know everybody is picking the the, the Kansas City uh, Chiefs to, to make a, a comeback or, or a repeat, and so you're going out there, you're stepping out there. I love mark the tape, date stamp this. 
That's my niece out there stepping out there. I love it. Thank you. Thank you. And I think you're onto something really because Buffalo's that good. They are that good. So Patrick Mahomes uh, didn't have his typical year. And so Buffalo, they're a little hungrier. Uh, well, I think what Atlanta had a really good game against the Chiefs. It's only a field goal away, a missed field goal for winning that game. But I think the Chiefs are in that Super Bowl. Uh, you know, they're still in the Super High. Hey, look, we're ready for the playoffs. I don't think they really looked at the regular season as a we must win every game. I think with Andy Reid as a seasoned coach, oh, he's going to have them ready for playoffs. And they get a bye. So unlike years past, only one team in each conference gets a bye. So they'll be well-rested. They'll have the opportunity to, you know, the, uh, to bring it to the Bills. But I definitely would see the Bills and the Chiefs in the AFC Championship game, you know, even though I'm going against my Ravens there. Because the Bills are nasty. I like that. I like that. Yeah, and we're um, we were NFL heavy today, and none of us mind that. So uh, my final note will be um, a little slightly to uh, CNN, but uh, I saw a tweet yesterday, and it said something along the lines of Atlanta doesn't get sports wins, but they do you know, they do know how to win elections. So I'm going to count that as a win. I was so elated, ecstatic, just, you know, the history teacher in me, the, the social studies teacher in me was just super excited for people to actually see, you know, government in action and, and how it is supposed to work. Every vote truly does count. And we saw that. Um, in in Georgia, both in November and in January. And I am so excited for that. So see you next week. My take is that they got it wrong in Kenosha. You got it wrong, DA. Um, and I'm, we're talking about the, the Jacob Blake shooting. I'm sad. I'm saddened by this ruling. And everybody can see it on film. When When is it going to stop? And it just continues. What do we tell our children? What do we tell our children, our young black men, when they see and witness this? How are they to respond when the policemen are, to, are, are telling them to stop? When in the end, they're thinking they're gonna get shot anyway. I am saddened and the justice system needs adjusting. Well, I may start the show saying this is not CNN. I cannot miss the opportunity to speak about what's happening in this country at the time of this recording of our show. I just pray that we have a peaceful transfer of power. As a veteran of the United States military, it saddens me to see that our federal capitol building is under attack. We have the right to protest. We have the right to free speech, but we do not have the right to attack our institution. And it saddens me, whether you're on the blue, the red, Republican, Democrat, it does not matter, we're Americans. And to see what's happening to our country right now, saddens me it upsets me so i really pray the next two weeks a peaceful transfer of power and that our nation can truly heal because when i see what's on going on on tv it reminds me of some third world country somewhere some place where i had to go fight some place where we had to protect the local citizens some place where we had to pe take people to embassies and make sure they were safe that is not the america that we're supposed to be protecting that's not what it's supposed to look like and so as we move forward the next two weeks for this inauguration in a new country and we start trying to heal, let's take the time to look at each other as Americans and not as enemies. We, we got enough enemies in this world. 
It should not be our next door neighbors. Oh, no. no ahead, um, when you were talking about this isn't America. So that's like, especially with who I teach, um, that's like the hardest thing to get people to understand. You know, it's like, oh my gosh, how could this happen here? And it's like, oh, that's because we don't teach real history. Like any time that black people have had progress, you know, there were the Elaine, Arkansas in I think 1911, you know, 300 people were just advocating for free, um, you know, uh, uh, to be able to advocate for their own contracts. And they were, you know, killed in 1898 in Wilmington, you know, white people that didn't want black people to have rights. So um, anytime that there has been any semblance of advancement for black people, the um, white people have, have resisted that actively, whether it is at the government level um, or, you know, individuals just, you know, George Zimmermaning um, whoever they wanted to, but that was going to turn into a whole, um, a whole thing. But like, I'm just having to figure out how I'm going to talk about this tomorrow in class. I love it, Vic. I love it when we don't always agree, but it was, it was just a matter yeah. of you taking one side, we taking the other. I didn't expect it, but that's cool. And I'm like, okay, what do you don't, what is it you don't agree with? <laughs> because you may not agree. <laughs> that's okay. That's okay. And I and I loved it. Yeah, that was you, good. You made me think about. Yeah, that was good. Yeah, you made. Me, yeah, we had to break down. Okay, now what? I wanted to go further into what I wanted you to define what was success. I didn't hear your your point. What was success? You know, but I wanted you to hear. I wanted you to say something. But I had to I had to address that yeah. in particular. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You went all in. The success is you know a championship, but again, some teams just look. Let me just not be last place. Let me at least sniff the playoffs. Let me at least have, increase my fan attendance. You know, let me at least get some. So there's some other things define success because now if you're the Lakers, yeah. the Spurs, Golden State, look, oh, we want them dubs. We want them banners. But someone else is like, yeah. hey, maybe the Clippers say that was success for them last year just to make it that far. They want to get to the third uh, the third round of the playoffs. That was my caveat. So, that was my caveat. I, I said, no, I'm spoiled. And where we from, we got to win. We want the championship or nothing. You know, it's no, no 50 games, 60 games. No, that's not success. Not where I'm from. No, just that those goals can compete. You know, what the organization wants and what an individual that might be fighting for their own individual contract. You know, they might be looking out for M-E instead of T-E-A-M. So, yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot to to consider. And, you know, I absolutely do think that that draft picks are an important consideration. But I think that you've got to trust your scouting team to wherever your position lies, where whatever picks that you have, that y'all are doing the work, you know, evaluating the existing talent in the league as well as that that's coming up. So wherever you pick, that you're going to be able to get, you know, your Lamar Jackson with the 32nd pick or, you know, so you don't have to. Yeah, like, I'm, I'm Onerous to me, and I'm seeing this and it saddens me, it seems like they're only concerned about the bottom line. They're only, not, and I'm saying, with a, I'm saying that with a broad brush. I know that not all owners are the same. I get it, you guys get it, you guys are smart. We all know that. But they need to be fans, but see, Michael Jordan, what has he done lately? Not a thing. And I believe on their worst days, these owners, whether NFL, NBA, Major League Baseball, on their worst days, they're still making money. They, they're, they're trying to make all the money and still, you, 
you guys remember Tampa Bay Rays before this or the, the Florida Marlins? Booty, nothing. Derek Jeter had to go down there and help hopefully change the culture down there with Florida. Uh, Philadelphia for so long. The, not talking about the Eagles, I'm talking about the Sixers. We talked about the Sixers for so long. They weren't nothing. And so owners, fans, two different, two different uh, definitions of success. Did you see LeBron's tweet about uh, wanting to, to get into ownership? Like alluding to like yes. the Atlanta dream? Yes, I saw that. I saw that. Yes. Listen, <laughs> I'm gonna find, it was just a tweet, but I'll find it and I'll post. But basically, so, you know, obviously, obviously <laughs> left her off last night. And so there was a tweet and LeBron was like, I've been wanting to be an owner. Um, Cause you know, we talked before how, uh, and I didn't realize this, but um, when the W, when the dream actively campaigned in support of Warnock, his approval percentage was, was very low. So that is, yes. that is, you know, I'm, I'm sure it's not the only thing, but that is being attributed as one of the factors to, to, to get his win. Take two. Take two.